The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, I'm Beverly Goodman, Editorial Director of Investing and Asset Management for Barron's. Welcome to a special edition of Barron's Live. And today we're talking about student loans. We have here Jillian Berman, Market Watch reporter and my favorite expert on all things student loans. Welcome, Jillian. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So we have a lot to talk about. And Jillian and I were joking just before this, like I can't even keep up with all the student loan news that's been happening. Um, I know President Biden has promised some big changes to the federal loan forgiveness program. We've got some other changes that were implemented during the pandemic to help people with student loans kind of manage their finances a bit better. That's coming to end. So I'm just going to ask you to start with the very basics, Jillian, like give us the lay of the land. Like what, what's been happening for like the past, you know, year, year and a half during the pandemic? Yeah. So you're right. A lot's been going on um, and it's been challenging to keep up with. So first we'll start with the payment pause that has actually been in place for almost two years now since March, 2020. So, you know, that, that came in at the beginning of the pandemic when, you know, we saw um, lawmakers do a lot uh, for our finances, you know, during the, during the start of the pandemic. So um, with that, there was a pause on payments. So people didn't have to make their student loan payments, a pause on collections. So some people who are in default on their student loans, they face debt collection activity. So that was also paused. And the interest rate on the loans went to 0%. So, you know, just because you weren't paying, that didn't mean that your interest was building during that time. So, you know, that's been in place since March 2020. Um, and it's scheduled, payments and collections are scheduled to resume in February. So, you know, we're getting, it's not, you know, we're not super close, but, you know, we only have kind of, if, if you're thinking about <laughs> what should I do about my student loans, now's maybe a good time to start thinking about what's next there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then in addition to that, you're right, you know, President Biden and the Biden administration has, you know, they've announced sort of a bunch of changes to, um, you know, to some student loan programs. I think the one that's probably gotten the most attention is um, a temporary expansion of public service loan forgiveness, which is a uh, loan forgiveness program for public servants. Um, And it's been notoriously very hard to access. And so, um, about a month ago, the Biden administration announced that they would take some steps to make it easier for, for borrowers to get into that program. Right. So before we continue, I want to remind people that we're happy to take all your questions. Um, we had a couple at sign up, so we'll, we'll get to those soon, too. But feel free to get them in early and we'll take them as they come. So getting back to what you were saying, uh, Jillian, that the pause um, is about to expire it's been set to end and extended several times. What's what's going on there? Yeah, so I think I, I'm not a, like sometimes I mess up the count, but I believe it's been extended four times total. Um, <laughs> yeah, since since March 2020, um, and you know what's happened each of those times is there's there's sort of been a combination of two concerns. 
One is just, you know, the general economic picture. So, you know, every time payments were set to resume, um, people's finances hadn't necessarily been fixed. The pandemic was still ongoing, um, especially, you know, uh, payments were scheduled to resume a a little bit earlier in the pandemic um, when the economy really hadn't changed. And so there were a lot of questions about, you know, why would we turn these payments back on now when borrowers' finances still are not comfortable? Um, The other issue is more of an operational and logistical challenge. So um, this is the first time that the student loan system has ever been completely turned off and back on. Uh, And the student loan system involves, you know, it's obviously it's a it's a federal government system, but they're working with contractors um, and, you know, there's just a lot of moving pieces. (laughs) So, uh, you know, every time that it's been time to turn the loans back on, people have worried, are we ready? Um, is the system prepared uh, for this? And and are borrowers going to get, you know, kind of snared up in it? So th- those have kind of been the reasons why they've extended it all those times. But everything's fine now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, so everything is not exactly fine. Um, now, you know, as, as we know, like the economy is, definitely doing better than it was when they first put this in place. Um, And, you know, since things have opened up, people who may have lost their jobs or, um, you know, or things like that, maybe back to work um, or were furloughed, like, you know, they could be getting paid again. So they might have money to put towards their student loans. Um, But we also know that a lot of other pandemic relief has already ended or is maybe scheduled to end. Um, And so, you know, that could, all of these, these, things coming, coming to a close, you know, like rental assistance uh, or the eviction moratorium, unemployment insurance, things like that um, at around the same time could pose some issues for, you know, for repaying student loans. So that's definitely something people are worried about. Um, On the operational front, uh, things have gotten, you know, it, it, it appears that things have gotten better and there is, um, you know, there's some reporting out there about the department's plans, um, the Department of Education, excuse me, their plans that they have in place. um, And you may uh, have already started hearing from the Department of Education or your student loan company if you have student loans. Um, So we are seeing the ball get rolling a lot further out than we did before the last several times (laughs) people said it was going to end. So so it does seem like, you know, it's not totally smooth, but it's being, it's being worked out. One, you know, kind of small hitch in that is that during this period, um, there have been a lot of other changes to the student loan system. So one that we mentioned is the public service loan forgiveness expansion, which is, you know, going to require some work um, on the Department of Education to, you know, to sort out. Another is that several of the companies that contract with the Department of Education to run the student loan program, they're called student loan servicers, um, have announced that they're dropping out of the program. <laughs> so um, people's accounts, you know, will be switched to different servicers. Um, th- it's, you know, if you have a mortgage or another, you know, loan that's serviced by a company, like you probably know that this kind of thing happens all the time. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, it's it's unnerving for people. And, um, you know, and it adds another little like wrinkle into this plan to to turn student loans back on. 
Is there anything people should know about um, what happens when their loan becomes serviced by a different company? I mean, the rates shouldn't change, right? Or a payment schedule or, I mean, is there anything that they should watch out for? Yeah. So really nothing should change. Um, that's right. Their rate shouldn't change. Payment schedule shouldn't change. Um, you know, I, I think it's wise probably to save, you know, any, any documentation sort of during this transition period. So, you know, for, for a few months anyway, um, would be helpful. One thing that, you know, that is maybe kind of, kind of looking on the bright side of this is that because some of the transitions are happening when people aren't making payments, you don't have to worry. I think something that people often worry about is they send the payment to the wrong place. Mm. Um, so you maybe don't have to worry about that, but still keep a copy of, you know, keep records of that. Um, and the other thing too, is, you know, at least one of the servicer transfers. So Navient, um, big student loan company, probably a lot of people have heard of it. Um, they're one of the ones that is leaving and their portfolio is being transferred to another company. Um, so that new company, uh, or it's not a new company, but your new servicer, uh, they took on a lot of the customer service personnel um, and things like that. So you shouldn't expect to see a ton of change there, but, you know, keep an eye out. And also just, um, you know, this is like, very basic advice, but that a lot of us don't follow is make sure to open your mail, open your emails, because you'll, you're going to get communication from a company that you don't recognize. So make sure that you're watching for that. Yeah. Sometimes the most basic advice is really the most important. And you're right. These people are trying to communicate with you. You got to open the email. Right. Um, so I'm going to ask you to just like put a little finer point. Do you think payments are really going to start in February? Like they're saying, and I'm also going to um, ask a question from Joshua who is asking if there's a possibility of any type of extension of the payment pause, if like the resumption of it is too much of a burden. Yeah. So um, I cannot predict the future, but I will say that they, the department of education has said on multiple occasions that this is the final extension. So they said it in the press release when they announced that this was the extension. Um, Richard Cordray, who's he was the former head of the CFPB, but now he's running the Office of Federal Student Aid, which is basically the office within the Department of Education that, you know, kind of deals with all of this stuff. Um, he said, rec he recently referred to it in congressional testimony as a final deadline. Um, so that, you know, that indicates that they are serious, that this is the final deadline. Um, and also, like I said before, you might have already started hearing from your student loan companies, from the Department of Education about student loans, you know, about resuming payments. And so I think it's, you know, pretty clear that they're getting going on this. Um, there's also been, you know, some reporting out there in terms of the question that Joshua asked. Um, there's been some reporting out there that, you know, maybe they're considering, um, some sort of, you know, some things to smooth out <laughs> the the transition so that it's not just, oh, the, you know, your student loan payment gets turned back on, you're not ready to repay it, like, it's over, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so there's been some reporting on that, but there's not confirmation. I mean, student loan servicer, the, the sort of the association that represents student loan servicers have been, have said that they are supportive of some kind of, you know, kind of grace period. Um, so, you know, we'll see. <laughs> it, it's hard to say. I will say something to remember about student loans is that um, 
when you miss a payment initially, there are no late fees. It takes a long time before it and before missing payments ends up on your credit report. So prepare, but you know, try not to panic. <laughs> um, there is a little bit, you know, there's like a little bit more leeway than with some, you know, financial products. So how can people prepare for this resumption? Yeah. So there, there is a lot, <laughs> there's a lot that they can do. Um, I think, you know, a big one, again, going back to like some of the, the simplest advice, but that is often hard to follow, make sure that the department of education and your student loan servicer have the correct contact information for you. Um, so if you don't know who your student loan servicer is, you can look at the department of education's national student loan um, database and that, you know, that will, you can put in your information and they'll, you know, pull that pulls down your loans and it'll tell you who your servicer is. Um, and if you go to fsa.gov, you can create, or you may already have an account um, and make sure all your contact information is updated there. That's how the Department of Education will reach you. Um, with your servicer, you know, also do the same thing. Maybe give them a call, log into your account. Just make sure that everything's updated. It's been two years. Like you, I moved. <laughs> you know, so many people have moved. So um, there's, it, it's good to just make sure that everything's up to date. So that's kind of like basic step one. Um, step two would be to get a sense of how much you are going to have to repay, like what you're expected to owe when that first payment comes due. Um, it's been two years again, so you might have forgotten, uh, which makes sense. Um, so check that out. And if the payment, if the payment seems like you can make it, great, move on, you know, just keep moving forward. If you look at it and it doesn't seem affordable to you, maybe your situation changed during the pandemic, then you can research other repayment options. Um, a good thing about federal student loans is that you are able to pay them as a percentage of your income. So there are a bunch of repayment plans. Um, and a good way to kind of game that out is this thing called the loan simulator, um, which is also offered by the Department of Education. If you just Google federal student aid loan simulator, it'll come up. And that lets you really game out, you know, monthly payments. It also will tell you, give you a sense of how much you might pay it on the loan over time. Obviously, if you're paying less per month, you know, the, the loan stretches out, you may be paying more over the life of it. So something to think about. Um, and so figure out if you want a new repayment plan. And if you do, um, you should, you know, call your servicer to try to get into a different repayment plan. Um, and, and you might, and you probably want to start making those calls now because once February comes, you know, there's going to be probably a crush of, <laughs> of calls. So the sooner the better um, is, is probably the best advice. Okay. That was a lot of great info. I'm going to try to recap it and jump in if I miss anything. Please, please. Basically, make sure your contact info is up to date so these folks can reach you because that's important information. You want to look into your re repayment plan and see if you need to change it at all. Maybe remind yourself what it is. Same thing with auto debit, if that's what you want to do, or even if that's what you were doing, confirm that you, you know, it's still in place. Um, and do you think uh, people should be repaying a bit more before the interest rate kind of turns back on? Yeah. So that's if you have the money, um, you know, that's something worth doing, uh, you know, for a lot of people like the, the student, the payment pause was 
um, a lifeline that they yeah. really needed and <laughs> they may just not have money to do it. But if you do, it's worth considering because the interest rate is at 0% right now. So any, you know, if you put money towards that, it's going to go further than when you're putting money towards um, a student loan payment where the interest, you know, has resumed to whatever it was. Um, so yes, definitely something that, that people could consider. So I want to talk about loan forgiveness, but before we switch gears, I want to take a couple of questions. Frank is asking, how can the U.S. Department of Education or loan servicers incentivize borrowers to sign up now for payment plans? Um, I guess I, my question is, like, should they even be incentivizing borrowers? Like, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so it's hard to, they, you know, they can't exactly incentivize, <laughs> um, but it is a, you know, it is, it's probably better for them and better for you to get, get started on this sort of the earlier, the better. Like I said, you know, you could come February, as soon as people receive that first bill, right, they're going to be facing um, a crush of calls. So, um, so it's good to be talking to people as early as possible. Uh, like I said before, you may have already heard from your student loan servicer or the Department of Education, so they may already be communicating with you. Um, but they've said that they're going to communicate with borrowers at least six times. Mm. So you should, you know, be expecting to hear from them. And that's, I think, the best way, right, that the best thing they can do in terms of getting people to sign up early for payment plans is, you know, to be getting in touch with people, um, you know, and reminding them that this is happening uh, that they, you know, that they need to get their, their logistics, their finances, whatever in order, um, and start thinking about what they're going to do. Okay. And this one, it, this is interesting, but since we were talking about the payment pause, um, Maribel is asking, have we seen a boom in spending from individuals whose student loans were paused and what will be the impact when payments resume? I, have not seen, I mean, obviously like spending has increased during the pandemic in certain areas of the economy, notably like anything relating to your home or uh, <laughs> consumption. Um, but I haven't seen anything about spending specific to people that have student loans. Have you, is there data on that? So I don't know if there's actually data. What we do have is there's a lot of anecdotal evidence on it. There's There's been a lot of, um, for example, news stories <laughs> about this. Um, so we've seen, and you know, and, and also I'll say anecdotally, like from when I've spoken to borrowers, um, uh, the kinds of things that are happening are um, in a lot of cases, they're honestly, they're paying down other debt. So it's not exactly spending, but it's, you know, putting that money towards something else. Um, some people are using that extra money to, to save um, in ways that maybe they couldn't have afforded to or, or were doing less of before. So retirement, emergency savings, things like that. Um, some people, too, I, you know, that I've spoken with just kept, you know, <laughs> kind of kept saving the money. Um, with the intention of making a big payment, uh, you know, on their loan before payments resume, or just making sure they have the money to repay once payments start. So kind of like setting up almost an emergency student loan fund. Um, and then, yes, I think, you know, some of these stories have talked about borrowers who, you know, they, they put the money towards, um, you know, towards a car or saved for a down payment on a home, or just maybe bought something that was like, you know, that they just didn't have the room for. Like one borrower I talked to 
mentioned, you know, dress shirts, um, <laughs> you know, so, so kind of like little things um, that, uh, that really helped. I think, you know, it, it obviously, because the data, there's not really much data on it. It's hard mm -hmm. to say like what that's going to mean for the economy. I think people who, for people who think a lot about student loans um, and a lot about the student loan system, they sort of see this period as like we proved <laughs> what the world could be like without people having to make these payments, you know? Um, and it is for a lot of people, a better world. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of been, it's like an experiment in that way. Um, it's, it's sort of hard to say like what the economic impact will be of payments resuming at this point. Yeah. And I suspect it's, it's kind of small. I mean, there's something like $1.7 trillion in student loan debt, but that's very long-term debt and it's, you know, on a per person basis, much less, of course. So I, I, I'm not sure what the economic repercussions of people repaying their loans is really going to have on kind of the broad economy, but it's an interesting question. So let's talk about loan forgiveness. We've got a couple of questions. First, just well, let's start with the federal program. Like, what is it? What do you need to do to get it? And then um, Taylor is actually asking if there are other ways to receive loan forgiveness that's not part of the federal program. But we'll get to that in a moment. First, lay out the federal plan for us. Okay. Yeah. So there's a couple different um, ways that borrowers can have, may have their student loans canceled. Um, right now, or, or sort of in existing law, um, but they're specific to certain types of student loan borrowers. So the first and probably best well-known um, is public service loan forgiveness. And that is for people who have worked in public service for at least 10 years, made their student loan payments during that time. Um, and if, if they do that, then uh, they should have the rest of their debt canceled at the end of that. And what's public um, service? Is it any like municipal or state job or is it certain professions like teaching? Yeah, so it is any government job, mm -hmm. um, any 501c3 job. So we work for a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, and then there are some other nonprofit jobs that qualify, but it's it's a little trickier there. So those, it's safe to say government and 501c3 nonprofit. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, <laughs> sort of, it sounds very simple, um, but over the past several years, it's been, it, there have been a lot of issues with it. Um, you know, you have to have a certain type of federal student loan. Um, your payments have to be, the, the 120 payments you make before forgiveness have to be under certain types of repayment plans, things like that. And so even though, you know, it's pro it seems like an easy promise, a lot of people have not been able to get it. And so the expansion that the Biden administration announced um, earlier this year was basically aimed at addressing that. So it, it kind of sweeps in a lot of the people who have gotten who have gotten caught up um, in some of these logistical things. So they had the quote unquote wrong type of loan or were in the wrong type of repayment plan. Um, and it's trying to get more of those people access to forgiveness. What doesn't change is the type of work you have to do. So it didn't make any changes to the types of jobs. Um, so you still need to have the quote unquote correct type of job. Um, but that's, you know, that's the biggest loan forgiveness program. Um, there are a couple of other ways that, you know, people have their student debt canceled under the federal program. One is if they were scammed by their school. Um, so that's one that you hear a lot about. 
um, people who attended colleges, you know, that were found to have engaged in fraud or lied to them or things like that, um, they can have their debt canceled under what's known as the borrower defense program. And that's something, you know, that's that's been going on for a while. And the Biden administration has, um, you know, kind of ramped up cancellation under that as well. Um, and then, you know, people who have um, total and permanent disabilities, they also can have their debt canceled. So those are the few of the kind of very specific cancellation programs. And the Biden administration has been doing what they call targeted relief under those programs. So basically, people who have been eligible have had a right to have their debt canceled under the law through these programs, but have struggled to get it because of logistical stuff. The Biden administration has been going through and kind of making it much easier um, for those people to access it. So is there anything people can do in terms of planning? Like, how do you how do you factor all this information into like your your actual repayment strategy? Yeah, so that's a good question. I think, um, you know, for public service loan forgiveness, um, there's, if you think that you're going to be one of the people who's, you know, kind of swept up in this, and are going to have your loans actually canceled, um, you know, soon, that's good to know, but you should still, I, I think basically <laughs> there's not much you can do to factor all this in when planning to um, resume payments. You know, I think you should prepare to resume payments basically. And there's um, a whole process for taking advantage of this new public service loan forgiveness expansion that we're actually going to talk about later this week. Um, so tune in later this week, Thursday for that conversation. Um, but, you know, you should be engaging if you think that you're eligible for the expansion, you should be engaging in that process as well, sort of at the same time that you're preparing for um, payments to resume. If you, you know, if you're somebody who thinks they've been scammed by their schools, there's, it's an application process that you use to get access to that relief, um, you know, and you should be filling that out um, while you're, you know, also sort of preparing to resume payments. Um, there's been, you know, a there's been some big announcements about forgiveness, um, you know, through these targeted relief programs and people, you know, some people have already had some debt forgiven. Some people have heard, have heard from the Department of Education that their debt is going to be forgiven, but it hasn't actually been canceled yet. Um, you know, things like that. So keep an eye out <laughs> for communications as well, like we were saying before. Yeah. <clears throat> it seems like throughout all of this, it really is a lot of, uh, effort on the part of the borrower to really stay informed. And some of that is, I mean, like you mentioned, the Department of Education has said they're going to reach out to everyone six times, but, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a lot to like keep on top of both in terms of like reading what they send you and keeping on top of the, the news stories. But like you're saying, it sounds like you just, you need to be engaged. You can't just like sit back and hope that your loan gets canceled. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes, it's a lot to keep on top of. Um, and I think, you know, that's a big challenge. That's a it's a big challenge and a big, you know, sort of criticism, yeah. I guess, <laughs> that people have of, of the student loan system is that it can be complicated and that it requires a lot from borrowers to make sure that they're they're doing everything correctly. Um, and, you know, sometimes there can be not a lot of leeway um, for when, excuse me, for when things go wrong. So um, yeah, it is, unfortunately, you have to stay vigilant um, and it's, it's good to do that. And, you know, and I think there's been, there's been a lot of political conversation, obviously about why, like more widespread debt cancellation. Um, and, you know, that's something that, of course, if you have student loans, you're probably interested in and want to stay on top of. But 
a lot of the experts that I've spoken to, including people who um, are supportive of widespread debt cancellation, uh, you know, say you obviously <laughs> you can't plan your finances around sort of politics. So it's good to just, you know, kind of prepare, you know, sort of prepare for what what's going to happen. And if if uh, what we know is going to happen, which is payments are going to turn back on. And if forgiveness does come, then, you know, that's a good benefit for you. So we only have a couple minutes left, but it's the end of the year. So I can't let you go without asking about tax planning. Richard also has a question. Um, does any payment on student loan qualify for a tax benefit, either a deduction or a credit? So just a reminder, a deduction lowers the amount of income that you have to pay tax on, whereas a credit is like a coupon for your tax. And the credits are almost always better um, or more financially good for you. So what what are some of the, the basics that people should should be aware of as they're preparing their end of year tax situation? Yes. So there is um, there's a student loan interest deduction, uh, which I think you know, if you've, if you've had student loans in the past um, and you filed your taxes, um, it's something that that you might have done before. Um, same thing again. The other thing is, you know, when you're considering these these different repayment plans, um, there are in terms of the ones that um, base your your payments uh, off of your income, there are some that will take your um, married income if you're filing jointly. So that's something to consider whether, you know, so that, that would mean obviously that your payment would be higher, right? If they're taking it from two incomes. Okay. Uh, so that's something to consider whether maybe is there a plan that is better for you and, it, and that would make financial sense to file separately. Of course, there are sort of a lot of other considerations um, involved in whether you're going to file separately or file jointly. So, it, you know, it's definitely a process to work through, but something to think about. Yeah. I mean, as you noted, most people, when they're married, they file jointly, and that gives them a bunch of tax breaks that you often lose if you file separately. So sometimes even though your income will be lower and therefore your repayment plan will be lower, it might not be enough to offset the tax breaks that you lose by not filing jointly. So you kind of have to do your return two ways or take it to a professional to kind of do it two ways and figure out which works out best for you. So. That was a lot of information. So you're going to be back on Thursday to talk us through some more stuff. So thank you so much, Jillian, for, for walking us through this complicated landscape. Great. Thanks for having me. So much fun. So unfortunately, this is all the time we have. And it has been more than a year and a half since Barron's Live launched. And we're looking for your feedback on today's episode. We're up video now. So please take two minutes. It's a very short survey. Crystal, our terrific producer, just put the link in the chat and so you can follow it there. It's also going to be sent to you in a post-webinar email. So please give us your feedback. We'd love to know what you think. And join us tomorrow as MarketWatch retirement editor Angela Moore and reporter Alessandra Melito are going to discuss the cost of living adjustment in 2022 and how it's going to affect Social Security benefits and what to watch coming out of Congress. That's tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Stay well and have a great day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.